Are you considering becoming a driving instructor? Are you currently training to become a driving instructor? Or are you a newly qualified and fresh-faced ADI who wants to uh, grow their potential and become the best driving instructor that they can be. Well, if you fit into that spectrum anywhere, then this is a podcast for you because we are doing a deep dive into everything that you could ever wish to know to become an awesome driving instructor. And taking you on this awesome journey is two awesome people. So uh, let's meet the the other guy, uh, Chris Spencer. How are we doing, Chris? Hello, I'm good. Yes, I'm having a lovely time. Awesome. Well, let's just take a moment to introduce ourselves so we kick on with the rest of the show. Because, Chris, you are one of the, I'm going to use the, the F word for this, you're one of the most famous driving instructors in our industry. So uh, for those of uh, uh, those listeners that haven't come across before, do you want to just tell people a little bit of your background and, and where you're at and what you do? I prefer prolific. Um, <laughs> I am a driving instructor um, at, at at my heart, uh, although I don't spend much time out in the car. So I qualified 15 years ago. I did as most instructors have done. Uh, you know, I've, I've done the franchise thing. I've done the independent thing. I've now got a driving school uh, of approximately 10-ish, depending which day of the week you ask me, cars. And I've hung up my keys to become one of the very few at the moment, I hope it will change, specialist theory trainers. Uh, so I specialise in in the theory test and the part one. Um, more and more PDIs getting in touch saying help. And I'm audit, so I train driving instructors. And then I, I do various other bits, um, which is, you know, as, as you're referring to un, under the, the famous bit, um <laughs> which you know make, makes me giggle but anyway i i do the odd bit of tv if if they want a driving instructor face to talk to i'll often be the one that that gets put in front of the camera um i consult with the dbsa i do some work with them and because of our frustrations uh, myself and my business partner have founded the ditc uh, the driving instructor and trainers collective the ditc.co.uk, um, which is growing as the signposting point for the driving instructor industry to try and help address some of the issues that you might be finding trying to find out what this job's about. And uh, that's exactly why we're here. Oh, I cannot match those uh, those lofty credentials, but I will, I will mention mine anyway. Uh, I am Terry Cook. I am going to be joining you on your journey to become an awesome driving instructor. I have been a ADI for about seven years. I keep forgetting, six, seven years, and uh, I help instructors become better instructors, better coaches, and run better driving schools by a variety of means, but most commonly the podcasts I run, so the Instructor Podcast, the Five Minute Fairy Podcast, Driving Test Tales Podcast, and now most recently the Driving Test Podcast as well. So you can find me all of those channels. But as we mentioned, you can also find me here. And um, what is this show, Chris? Who are we aiming this at, do you think? Well, I think that the biggest complaint that I get when I talk to, doesn't matter if it's someone looking to become an instructor, someone who's in, in the process of training or has just signed up to training, or that their training's let them down, or that they're newly qualified, or even that they've been an instructor like us for a good few years, um, is that the information is not out there. There's two types of information that you can find when you're looking into becoming a driving instructor. The first one is the DVSA, minimum standard, because that's their job. These are the hoops you have to jump through, not the process that you have to go through. So they give you the minimum standard. This is what you've got to achieve to get there. And then the second one is the biggest sales pitch um, that, you know, that those that shout loudest get heard most. So people come across the sales pitch and it's not necessarily the, um, it's not necessarily honest advice. I will say honest. It's not that ne- that they're deliberately misleading, we'd like to think, but 
it's a sales pitch and we all know that sales is about you know having it in technicolor and and using catchy slogans and focusing on the good stuff um i'm ex-sales and marketing and you know i get i get that but it would be nice if you knew what you know what what it was about so my interpretation and we'll find out as we go along if we both agree on this but my interpretation is that that's what we want to look at is let's have a, a a dive into the honest approach to being a driving instructor what that is becoming a driving instructor and then being a good one definitely and you know you mentioned there about sort of the honesty side of it you know you may have seen some adverts you may have seen some posts yes you can make seventy thousand pounds a year as a driving instructor yes you can be in charge of your own diary yes you can have weekends and evenings off good luck uh achieving all of those on a, a consistent fashion is all i would say um i think the thing i want to chuck in there is when we think about who it's aimed at i I, I obviously talk to a lot of instructors. I interact with a lot of instructors. And, and one of the things I see a lot is the way instructors talk about their learners. And learners come out to the inquiry and all they ever ask is about prices or, you know, those really generic questions. It's largely because they don't know what else to ask because they've never been taught to drive before. So the learners come out to that that instructor with, with no idea what to expect and I've had learners come to me that have left other instructors because that instructor has been, let's say, inappropriate. But they stayed with them longer than they should have done because they assumed that's what all instructors were going to be like because they don't know any different. And I think that's a lot. That also applies to people coming into the industry to be instructors. I know I did. You know, when I came in, it was, oh, this person's telling me this, so this must be the way it's done. And I think that's one of the things that I want people to get out of this show as well. So it's not necessarily we're telling people what's right and wrong. We're just saying these are the options. You know, these people are saying this thing and these people are saying this thing and both are true, you know, or whatever the, the case may be. And I think that if, as I said at the start of the show, if you're considering becoming an instructor, it's going to be a great resource for you. I think if you're training, again, it will be a great resource to check and see if your uh, trainer's actually doing right by you, potentially. And I think that if you're a fresh face instructor that has just passed, again, going to be a good resource as you start on this journey by yourself. And potentially, I don't want to come away from his knees too much, but potentially even for, for instructors that have been around a while to dip in and just see if they can get a couple of new ideas. But, I mean, based on that, let's just speak a little bit about what we're going to be covering. Because uh, in today's episode, it, it, we're going to take more of a, an overview, like a helicopter view of of a few of the topics going forward uh, to give you an idea. But I think some of the things we'll be covering, we're going to look at the training, so the part one, two, and three. We're going to look at the difference between franchise and independent and potentially being an employed instructor, because there are some. We're going to be looking at the business side of it because as an instructor, if you're self-employed, a part of a franchise, you've got to take care of all that side of yourself, you know, and the different types of, of things we encounter in car as well. So all that stuff we're going to be covering over the, the, the series as it goes. Is there anything you think I've missed, Chris, there, or anything that that's, that highlights stand out for you as something that you're particularly looking forward to? I, I think it's going to be interesting if we have a look at when the obvious isn't the truth and the big one for me is that not everybody does it for the same reasons and i think that's really good to remember when you're going through and looking at all those things you mentioned you know it you you want to figure out why you're doing it first what you want to get out of it because you can but then other people's advice if you if you know that they are um, what I often call a bum, bums on seats instructor, which is, you know, the, you get them in the car, show them how to drive, and then get them out of the car and go to the next one, um, which is absolutely acceptable. You know, it, it's not what I want to do, but it, it is, you know, it, it's a, it's the job. And, and if they want to do it in that way, that's fine. But if you don't, they're probably not the ones that you want to rely on for the advice. You might want to find the people who are more about life aspirations or about road safety, which can go hand in hand or could overlap. But I think it would be interesting to kind of keep in our heads that there's lots of different ways to skin a cat. 
Definitely. And I just want to mention as well about the structure of this show going forward. So it is a limited series, so which basically means so if you listen to the Instructor podcast, for example, you'll see there's over 100 episodes over there and it's ongoing. There's not going to be 100 episodes of this. Um, not quite sure how many episodes it will be, but we're kind of going to cover the things we need to cover and then it's going to be done and it will be a resource that you can use or share amongst your colleagues as you see fit. But I would also take this opportunity just to say, um, if you've got anything you specifically want us to cover, or you've got any questions, you can get in touch. You can find the links in the show notes, or as we've mentioned, you can find me at uh, theinstructorpodcast.com. And Chris is at, let me see if I get this right, the DITC, is it .co.uk? It is, yeah. yes. There you go. Um, but but let's, I want to ask you one other question before we get we get stuck in. Why should people become a, a driving instructor, Chris? What are some of the positives and potentially some of the negatives of being a driving instructor? Well, why do people is nearly always is nearly always because they've been made redundant or they don't like their job or they're unemployable and all, all of these things I can put my hand up to. Um so so yeah, it is very often the 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 reason people go towards it is because they're jumping or they're being pushed. Why should they do it? I think having a driving license, liking driving, isn't the reason. Because that's often the reason that's quoted. I talk to to people who are looking into it or are training. You know, why would you like to become a driving instructor? Well, I've always liked driving. You're not going to be doing any. You're going to be sitting watching someone. Or, you know, I'm good at driving. That's fine. But you don't need to be good at driving. You need to be good at telling someone else how to drive. Look at sport. There's plenty of coaches that aren't very good players. So they're not necessarily, they can be part of it, but they're not necessarily the the best reasons to look at, at becoming one. So I think to find those, it's probably about looking at what the job really is. And the information, as I've said, that's out there, the DVSA information is how how do you get the badge? And the badge is the license to charge money because that is what the job is from their perspective. They have started to change and focus more on um, improvement and and learning happening. But the centre of it is still, are you safe? And therefore, you can charge money. So... It's then about you know let's go and look at the at the at the proper job. Actually, what what do we do? Say the 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 guy that sits behind a microphone talking about it, and the guy that sits sits on a zoom zoom screen teaching theory. But you you do it more properly than I do. Um, but what what when when we're out teaching, what is it that we that we teach? Good question because I mean I was uh, as we record this I had a very interesting conversation about culture on today's lesson. So when we speak about the positives, it's we have this these amazing conversation with students is one of my positives in the shoot they're, they're put or they're in the process of putting up a new uh, zebra crossing. And she was telling me how her parents have been moaning about it because just up the road from the old zebra crossing and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, why shouldn't there'd be a zebra cross in there. That there's literally no reason. The, the the only downside of that zebra crossing is that more cars are going to have to give way to pedestrians. And why is that a downside? And you could see the 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 expression on her face like, right, the only reason my parents are born is because they're going to potentially have to stop a bit more. And then we we spoke about the culture of it and yep. you know the, the drivers in this country, how it's all about us. You know, you hear the stuff about... And, God, conspiracy theory potentially alert, but yeah, the stuff about the uh, the fifteen minute city centres and they try to pedestrianise city centres. Well, that's not a bad thing. We, you know, we just don't want the city clogged up with cars. It's not a bad thing, you know. But we, that's the the culture of it, and that was a conversation I did not expect to have at ten a.m. this morning. And so, when you say what do we do, well, the very very basic premises we help people learn to drive. But it's so much more than that. You know, we counsellors, we we help people when you will have people come in your car that are crying and upset because the, the partner's dumped them or the dog's died or, or whatever. 
both of those were me recently. Then <laughs> my <laughs> students had to counsel me. You'll have people come in that have panic attacks. You'll have people come in that are desperate to tell you their good news because they've no one else to tell. And they come and tell you their good news and you help people with their theory. So that there's loads of positives there. But I also think that the negatives and the positives are only relevant to you. So, mm -hmm. for example, a lot of people don't like the business side of it. They don't like doing the marketing. They don't like doing the accounting, all that kind of stuff. So they don't like that. And if, if that's you, you have to weigh up the, the pros and the cons. And for me, I just think that, that there's nothing about this job I don't like. Uh, I love every aspect of it to a degree. I'll <laughs> let me tag that on. And anything you want to add to that, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I think that I think they're really good points. And it is it's such a broad job. You get to sit there and talk about life because driving is life. You know, you, you see the things going on outside. It's the real world happening and rolling out in front of you. And you're part of that. You're giving someone a skill that is going to potentially allow them to do the career that they want to do. It could hang in the balance on can they drive. You get to give them that. And you give them the opportunity to say yes in the future to things that otherwise they might not have been able to do. And that's that's awesome. You Short term, you you get to show them how pedals work. You know, you, you get to show them how the steering wheel works. But longer term, you, you get to deal with other things and you, you get to influence the way they think about stuff. And that that people with a zebra crossing, you know, that that little change, that little ripple could turn into all sorts of other thoughts and, and changes in the way that they that they think about things in life. And I that for me, that's what the job is. But as I said earlier. Not everyone sees it that way, and some people do see it as you turn up and you show them how to drive, and they don't they don't want to know about the the other bits, and and they don't get involved in the 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 personal element of of who you become as a driver. They they focus on the on the hands and feet stuff, um, on on the the way the road works, not the way that the person works. And I quite like the phrase that what does a driving instructor do? We teach people to drive. Some people teach people to drive and others teach people. And the driving is a secondary thing. Um, and, and I, you know, that for, for me is, you know, is, is, is a large part of it. And then, as you said, running the business, franchises don't do it for you is one of the things that I say a lot. They will support you and there will be options there. But people kind of think, I don't want to do the business bit. So I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a franchise or similar, various versions of it, and that will do it for me. You're still going to have to do a lot of stuff yourself, whichever one. I have never found a solution that doesn't do that. And people normally want some element of control, but um, the the business side is is a it's a big part of the decision that probably gets ignored by a lot of people because they see the independence and not the doing it yourself, which are two sides of the same coin. I mean, I'm going to kind of challenge anyone listening now to just take a moment. I'm going to say close your eyes. If you're driving and listening, do not close your eyes. Maybe when you're not driving, take a moment, close your eyes, and think about your driving instructor, the, the, the person that taught you to drive, and think about how they taught you. Were they really helpful? Did they leave you feeling positive? Did they make you frustrated? Did they make you sad? Did they make you more panicky? You know, how did they make you feel? And I guarantee you, pretty much 99% of people listening can remember their driving instructor. I can remember hardly any of my teachers at school. Remember one or two, but hardly any of them. I can remember my driving instructor. And that's the impact as a driving instructor you have on someone. Now, that impact, because I had two instructors when I was learning to drive, that impact could be like my first instructor, who was, I'm trying to think of a polite word, a bit of a numpty. And I look back now and I think, I teach the opposite to how he taught. That's my philosophy. I remember my second one was the polar opposite. And, and the difference for me was that first guy instructed me. He told me stuff. He shouted at me. He dictated to me. He would tell me to do something but not explain why and we'll do it on the move so then I'd forget and, you know, and so on and so forth. And the second one asked me questions. And the second one said, well, let me show you this. 
And it was a completely different approach. I'm not saying one's right or wrong because everyone's different. But for me, one was right and wrong. But I remember that. So that's the impact from 20 plus years ago that those instructors had. I mean, that's the impact that you will have on someone else. And, you know, I don't want to over-dramatize it because at the heart of it, we do teach people to drive, but we have a big influence and we can make a big change on people. I was speaking before we started recording, Chris, uh, you know, I've got a 45-year-old chap who I helped pass his test recently and he's messaging me every couple of weeks to tell me about how I've impacted his life because now he's driving his family here and driving his family there and the difference it's made to him. So I just think ultimately it's rewarding, but, but way up. If you're considering becoming an instructor, way up. Not necessarily the positive or the negatives, but the things that you're going to enjoy about it and the things you're not going to enjoy about it. And and if you are just going to be a, to use Chris's phrase, a bums on seat instructor, you're missing out on so much. I have got one or two students that don't really want to engage. They, you know, they're, they're not that way inclined. They're more like, yeah, you're just going to teach me to drive. And I usually win them over in end, but they're a bit like that. They're not the fun lessons. They're not the fun lessons. You want the people that in, engage with you. So uh, anything else you, you want to add on to that? Uh, no, no. All I would say is that you can get those people to engage with you um and and that's part of of that journey so i i think you know think thinking about how how you want to do that from the beginning get the picture of you as an instructor is is key but no i i i I think you said it very well we'll be talking more about those teaching styles at some point as well but if uh, you have listened to any of my podcasts previously you'll know that i am not a very big fan of acronyms uh, I constantly get them wrong. So we thought it would be a, a good idea to tell you some of them before we start. So Chris, I'm going to shout an acronym and you're going to explain to people what it is. I haven't warned you about this. Are you ready? I'm hoping I get them right, but yes, we're going to try. I'm going to throw out the ones that I believe are relevant to our industry and uh, we'll see where we go from there. So DVSA. Driving and Vehicle Standards Agency, the people that manage testing. ODI. Uh, sorry, DVSA used to be used to be VOSA and DSA. I mentioned that because I appreciate some people were of that generation. Um, ADI, approved driving instructor, a, a driving instructor who's passed their their full qualification and and has a green badge. Are you uh, sure it's not advanced to drive an instructor, as I was told? <laughs> it comes up a lot. I see it. Yeah. The next one that you're probably going to ask is another one as well. EDI. So um, it's potential driving instructor, but you, you see provisional driving instructor and pretend driving instructor occasionally mentioned. Um, but a, a PDI, there's a slight argument on this as to where PDI starts. So... If you speak to most driving instructors, it's a pink badge holder and a pink badge is a trainee license, which means that you can go out and charge money to learn on the job. And that's after um, after you've passed your your first two parts of the qualification, uh, the theory and the driving test. And then um, you can you you do 40 hours plus of training and, and you can go out and do the do the pink badge. But. Actually, PDI starts from when you join the register. So as far as insurance companies are concerned and as far as um, the DBSA are concerned, you don't necessarily have to have that pink badge to be a PDI. If you ask me in a couple of days, I would probably say practicing driving instructor. I always think it's practicing driving instructor. Um, Audit. Audit. Um, I can never remember what it stands for, but uh, have you got what it stands for? Yeah, I wrote this one down. Because I think I've got it. Uh, official register of driving instructor trainers. Cool. Uh, so yeah, so audit is a voluntary register. It's the thing that the DVSA will will subliminally suggest that you need an audit trainer. There's no legal requirement or official requirement to have an audit trainer. Um, you don't have to have a trainer. You can do it all yourself. But as with learning to drive, it's probably better to to have someone who knows what they're talking about. And audit is the voluntary register 
the the DBSA hold of of tr- people who are training you to be a driving instructor. So there's normally a division between trainer and instructor, but that's got a bit blurred now that we're doing coachy stuff and people are using the word trainer a bit more um, freely. It's odd. It's probably a topic we're going to have to come back to a bit more extensively at some point, but um, let's move on to the next one, MSA. So uh, MSA, um, uh, sorry, I'm I'm looking straight at a bag that's got MSA GB on it, Um, is, is the Motor School Association, um which is one of one of the 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 three big names and you're probably going to come to the other two uh inside of associations um yes dia and adi njc cover them two together driving instructor association and uh the adi njc is the approved driving instructor national joint council so they are the three of them together actually make up nasp NASP, uh, which is the uh, National Association Strategic Partnership. God, I tell you, I'm not good at these, and I'm, I'm doing all right so far. So, um, NASP is the kind of the the figurehead that engages with the DVSA. DVSA are willing to talk to NASP, um, which is made up of those three associations. Different associations do different things, but. Um, one of the big things that gets provided through them is PIPL insurance, which I always get mixed up, but I think it's public in- public liability and private indemnity, I think is the right way around. Um, and not enough instructors have it, and everybody should. So it's one of the cheapest ways to get that insurance, um, and it's decent, decent cover. Yeah, ITC. DITC is not an association. Um, so as as I mentioned, we founded the DITC. The DITC is the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective. I tend to refer to it as the collective. And it is a signposting platform for the industry, but it does dabble in a bit of association stuff. It has a membership. Uh, the One of the big benefits, if you are looking at becoming an instructor, is when you pass your part one, uh, from then onwards through to being fully fully qualified, you can have a student card and get student discount being a member. Um, but it is the signposting platform and we are growing it, getting more and more information like you have on this podcast to try and help guide you in the right direction. And if it's not on there, get in touch because it's probably somewhere in my head. And if it's not, I'll find it. Yeah, I do love the fact you always advertise it's not an association. It amuses me. Um, okay, 5MT. Oh, you've got me now. 5MT. Um, oh, the five-minute theory. I just never call it that. Yes, the five-minute theory is an awesome podcast um, by, by Mr. Terry Cook to support and help people who are doing their theory training and is also a benefit to you if you're doing your part one. Let's finish on this one, unless you've got any more to add, Chris. We'll finish on this one, which I think is a must-have for every driving instructor and is your (laughs) favourite MSM. We'll do the two. So MSM, Mirror Signal Manoeuvre, which is is the one that a lot of people remember from their learning, learning to drive, and the extended version of which is MSPSL or MSPSGL which is mirror, signal, position, speed, gear, if you include it, look. And that is the DVSA's preferred um, approach to dealing with stuff on the road. It's the process. Um, But they have it in writing. They don't care what you use as long as you have a, a system. And there are others available. They're all sets of letters. And I prefer, because I'm going to include it, look, tell, do, because I can spell that. Can't spell manoeuvre. It's a stupid word. Uh, there's lots of other reasons for it, which you can find elsewhere, but I, I won't go into them now. Uh, I must admit, I use look, tell, do. I never used to. I used to have my own one. I can't remember what it was now. I think it was check it safe, tell people what you do, and then do it. And then I spoke to you and like, actually, yours is a bit more succinct. I think the only one I use on lessons actually is Scalp, you know, the safe, convenient, and legal place. I use that, but other than that, I don't think you use it. But do you think I've missed any there that you can think of? Or 
the, uh, acronyms in the driving instructor industry. I mean, there's a lot we've missed, but any that stand out. There's tons. Um, so yeah, the, the, through through training, people discover lots. Um, LADA is a really popular one. Look, assess, decide, act, which kind of sits inside or along, alongside uh, MSPSL. None of them matter. Um, don't worry about them too much. There's, um, you know, there's DVLA. I suppose we should acknowledge, which is the sister and is the bigger part of um, uh, the agency to the DVSA driving vehicle and licensing agency who deal with the driving license side of things um and people get them mixed up so that's important and yeah i'm sure there are but i think that the key to key to all of it is is um don't get drowned out by the acronyms if someone uses one you don't know ask them what it is uh don't make a mistake i used to and just pretend and nod um but we are sort of 25 minutes into the recording so we may as well hit the uh the topic that we'd come to record which is <laughs> um what does being a driving instructor entail so we're going to take a bit of a, a helicopter view of this one and then i think some of these topics we'll do a deep dive further in and we kind of touched on a little bit already so like what does it entail it's teaching people you said before about um, you teach people to drive or you teach people. And it, it interests me that in my notes here, I've actually wrote teach people, wrote it. I've wrote it, teach <laughs> people. But I mean, we, we, it's like once we've in that, because I know that when I became an instructor, I, I just, I only thought about teaching people to drive the way I was taught, which was largely in instruction. But you, we use instruction. You know, stop, don't crash into that bus, mind that dog, things like that. <laughs> yes. Um, but there's more to it than that. There's so much more we've got. We use coaching now. Coaching is uh, more more commonplace in the industry. We use awesome at the, the, the DVSA, driving and vehicle standard changes, encourages, which is client set of learning or CCL as it's referred to. Um and then you've got the whole other side, which is the mindfulness and managing nerves of it. And and there's more than that. But like there, that's the that's what we use every day on lessons. So, what what would you add to that, Chris? I I would say that those are the processes and outcomes. And if we look at things, which I suppose actually is going to be my answer, if we look at think look at it as a business, as a job role, because that's what you're doing it for if you want to do it for free you're welcome to especially as training as a, a training instructor if you don't want to go down the the pink badge route um you, you can teach people to drive there's no restrictions on who can teach so we in the industry often talk about the school of mum and dad uh, being people who are unqualified and untrained who are going to teach someone to drive um and there's nothing to stop you doing it so the difference about a driving instructor as a role is that we can charge money so we then look at it as as a as a business because all businesses have processes and they have customer service and they have the the way that they engage with people and then they have the output which is what they're trying to achieve which might not be the driving test and for me it's not um for me i i I don't value or care about the driving test. It's part of the process. Um, but as long as my standards are high enough, it's not really an issue. And actually, I've taught some people where they're never going to take the driving test, but they want the experience of learning to drive, but they're not they're not going to get to that standard. And they're few and far between. It's when you start specialising in specific needs and you, know, you kind of, each lesson, you decide whether there's going to be a next one in a way. But the the actual the job is the business so it is about charging money for a service during which people develop a skill that gives them a desired outcome and hopefully lasts them through life and keeps them safe in that process yeah, i mean the way i tend to look at that i don't know if this is the same as what you were saying actually but the the in the car stuff is a job Everything around that is the business. 
So the yeah. actual thing I'm paid for, if you like, is being sat in the car, but I then run the business around that. I I always have a bit of an issue with that because one of the problems that we have is identifying billable hours. So so that's what you're saying about the job is is the bit you're paid for is the billable hours. But if you then look at that hour, two hours that you're in the car teaching that lesson, you're putting a price on that. You have to, because it's a business, have to look at putting a price on the 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 sales call, the inquiry, you know, process, the getting, the advertising and marketing, the managing, and all of those other bits that we do that are not inside that paid hour. I always feel you have to still look at that as part of the job because otherwise people really struggle. So I rarely. And and we probably do agree, actually, but rarely I I I don't go along with with that version of it because otherwise the the business bit gets forgotten. And it just becomes about teaching. DVSA don't test us on how well we can run a business. They will criticise us if we do it badly because they get complaints um, about it. But actually, as long as you're doing it legally, it's not an issue. Again, I think we're probably on the very similar wavelength. For me, it's like I the student doesn't care about the other stuff I do. So when they're looking at what I charge for the look at, at that lesson, in most cases, you know, there's exceptions to that, obviously. But I need to do that stuff around it to be able to charge for that. And I think it's almost like an entrepreneur. Oh, God, I'm going to try and say the word again. Entrepreneurship mentality in the... You know, we, we can't bill for everything. Otherwise, I'd be charging a lot, a lot more than I currently am because there are things that I do outside of the the lesson that I don't need to do. I do as optional. Uh, sometimes I do it. So, you know, the, the podcast is a good example, the five-minute theory. I can't charge, well, I suppose I can, but I don't charge people more because I'm doing the five-minute theory. It brings me more customers in. It's a great selling point. It, you know, can that's one of the reasons why I can have higher prices because it attracts more people to me. Um, unfortunately, from all over the country, <laughs> well, I didn't think of that when I started doing it. But <laughs> it, it's not something I need to do. Nobody needs to do a podcast to help people. So I think that's what I'm referring to there. But yeah, when we look at the business side, as we're kind of moving on to now, that's a big part of the job as well because. What I don't mean to do at all is belittle the rest of it because whether you do an hour lesson, 90 minutes, hours, in fact, I should touch on this actually because when I first uh, come into the industry, I was assuming I was going to deliver one-hour lessons because that's what I did. Then I started delivering two. I thought, this is mental. I could do like three lessons in the day and do six hours. It's crazy. But the great thing about it being your business is that that is ultimately your choice. Now, yes, you take your students into account, but ultimately your choice one hour 90 minutes two hours three four whatever you you can do that and but because it's your business you're in charge of that so you're in charge of the marketing and the diary management and the tax and sorting your customers out and making sure your car's clean and looking after your car and your car maintenance all that kind of stuff do you think that's something that's overlooked a lot chris Yes, and I, I do quite well from that fact. So, um, and I know we both do a bit of this, um, of kind of advising and guiding driving instructors. I, I do it on wider businesses as well um, as a business coach. Um, and I know you've you've done some some great work in kind of getting people to look at not necessarily following the natural process. And by the natural process, I mean become a driving instructor, do it for a bit, get reasonably good at it. And decide you need to grow a driving school because you've got work coming in and therefore that work's got to go somewhere. You can say no to it and you can just be really good in the lessons that you teach. So, um, you know, I, I think that's the natural process. People kind of feel that, that that's where they end up, but they don't have to. And and uh, say, I, I've, I've heard you wax lyrical about some some brilliant approaches like you do of let's go and do some podcasts and let, let's go and do other things um i often help instructors um as say as, as a, a business coach looking at design of a driving school if they want it 
or design of their work process as as a you know uh, as an option as well to to push prices up to be able to work less but make more and and that's looking at those hourly rates is one of those things because travel time that you know that isn't paid between lessons you do less of it if you do a 2 hour lesson rather than twice as many 1 hour lessons um looking at where you work as well if you if you get advice from people that are in london and you live in the middle of yorkshire then that's not necessarily going to be the same kind of you know kind of advice so those those things are things to look at so yeah the, the business is such an important thing and it isn't really covered um i did my training with bsm and there was a very brief looking at you and your business se- session mainly looking at make sure you declare your tax and this is how you you know what you need to take into account this is how much you'll get for a lesson this is this is therefore the salary that you're going to take home um which is probably something we should we should address i know you mentioned earlier but you know we look at that we don't necessarily look or we're not taught about how do we market how do we advertise how do we become bigger than the driving school because it's the driving school giving us that information so why would they put themselves out of work um, there are driving schools that do. I run one. Um, we we want we want the um, the the hero of the show to be the driving instructor, not the driving school. So it does happen. There's others out there. You know, it, it it's it's finding them. Yeah. A couple of points I want to touch on there, and you mentioned prices. So I'm not I'm not going to give numbers out here because, as you said, it does vary across the country. But I, I've been at test centers, and I, I never bring prices up at test centers. It's always another instructor that brings them up. But where I've had an instructor literally say to me, you cannot charge this amount yes, you, because people will not pay it. And I'm like, I'm currently charging more than that. But you, you can. A, a good way to look at it, because I think you, you're absolutely right. The, the, the price differs across the country. Depends where you are, depends on what's what. Um, but percentage-wise, pre-COVID, I spent a good five years plus um charging 25 percent more than the average price uh, possibly even a bit more than that locally um and i'm in an area where the average price is pretty decent um so you know you you can what you have to do is make sure that the 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 reasoning is there that you're worth it to quote is it l'oreal we're not the ones to answer that are we um no unless in need every time we see each other um so (laughs) it is yeah it it is such an important thing but the conversation as you say tends to be the wrong one it's people looking for permission or telling you you can't and that's the first lesson that i learned from a pricing perspective was to ignore them all and do it anyway and you can (laughs) i think that we, we forget and I know I did, that we're self-employed. It's our business. You can charge what you want. Because the great thing is, if you put your prices up or you're just starting out and you decide, I'm going to be this amount, and then everyone say it's too expensive, well, you can lower your prices and go again. <laughs> you know, there's 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 no real issue there. And I can remember I started off with a national driving school. I started off with Red. And I had no problems with Red at all. And I think also within three years when I decided to go independent because didn't need a franchise anymore. And I remember speaking to someone and saying, I'm going to reduce my prices. And it's why? And I'm like making some nonsense excuse up. And it's like, challenge you to put them up. What? I dare you to put them up. I'm like, I don't want to put my prices up. And he kind of almost made me put my prices up and just a pound. And none of my students bad an eyelid. I guarantee you that, and I suppose this applies more if you've got students now, but when you go to your students and say, my prices are going up by a pound an hour, I have I think in the time of, I've done that, I've had one student that complained, and it wasn't even a complaint, it was more of a comment. You know, th- they appreciate that. You think about a, an employed job, you will get a regular pay rise. You get a review and you get a pay rise. As a driving instructor, self-employed, you're in charge of your own wage. You have to give yourself that pay rise. 
and and if you look at a product which a driving lesson is you know we're delivering a service and 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 that lesson is a product um that actually product uh prices go up quite often you know because of the cost of doing so and we're so reliant on fuel and cost of cars cost of cars have rocketed um you know different different ways of do, of doing that i think it's probably worth us acknowledging in the interest of trying to cover such a varied industry that one of the things to be careful of is that some contracts do restrict you from choosing your pricing or setting your pricing and some of them say that they don't but then you know you you are kind of herded into doing so so check that out and speak to the instructors don't just speak to the people who who are delivering the training or the franchise um and and don't sign up for training until you've checked out that franchise you know from from the working end of it as well and then look at the small print and then look at the small print and then look at the small print because it's really important and i don't know how many times i actually say it to people and they don't and then they come back and say help how do i get out of the contract you can't it's a business to business contract and they can pretty much write whatever they like in it so read the small print i have come across that myself where you hear people complaining about the contract and then you ask them the question did you read it before you signed it and the answer is often no or not properly and then you get well who reads the contract I'm like well i would I've just signed up to this thing that's going to cost me 200 pound a week i'm reading it but we'll come on to the franchise thing in a second because I think there's one other thing that you mentioned I want to touch back on briefly. And, and um, one of the most popular resources I provide is uh, a show I do called Alternative Routes. And this is touching on what you were saying. It's what stems back on for me in that people, or a lot of people, including me, feel like you come into the industry, you work here for a few years as a franchise, then you go off independent for a couple of years, then you start your own driving school, and then you become audit trained and trained instructors. And that's kind of just what you do. And it's far from it. You know, there's there's loads of options, including just being a driving instructor. There's absolutely nothing wrong with just being a driving instructor, if that's what you want to do. Or you can develop a driving school or you can train instructors or you can train fleet but for me that's everyone does that and there's so many alternatives you know we we'll, we'll look at you chris you decided screw it i'm going to quit instructing and start up the ditc and ferris has explained i've gone right okay i'm going to start this podcast and this podcast and all this kind of stuff and then there's other people that are taking different approaches and there is room for imagination and creativity in this industry and in full honesty and full transparency, I don't think there's enough of it. So if you're coming yeah. into this industry or considering it and you are creative and transparent, there are two people here that would love to speak to you. So uh, so bring it is what I would say. Um, but let, let's speak just a little bit about franchises, independent and employed, because they are essentially your three options, aren't they? Yes. Would you have a recommendation that someone starts in a certain way, or do you think it is purely down to the individual? Both. Um, so I would say that look at who you are, look at look at why you're doing what you're doing, um, and then decide the level of support that you want. So, you know, um, if you can find... If you just want the the stuff done for you, a big franchise is a nice option on that front because they provide a package and you know what that package is. Smaller driving schools might do similar without some of the bits, but more flexible. So you've got options there. So those kind of franchise options are are all possibilities. Um, But then you've got the option to go out and do it yourself. Now, there's a problem there when it comes to training, because if you want to do a pink badge, you need a sponsor, and the DVSA want the work to be coming through the sponsor. That gets you know um, challenged and questioned and work, reworded on a regular basis, so you'll get lots of mixed versions of that. Um, being on the safe side, that you you need that work to be coming through someone. 
So that's difficult to do independently. So being a PDI, a trainee, and independent is challenging, which pushes a lot of people into a franchise. So um, those people might naturally actually want to do it a different way. You can pass your part three and then start doing the job. I don't think it's as easy, um, which is the instructional test. And then going out, there's not that many that are um, employed when it comes to driving instructing. There are options out there. They they come around and, and we see them. Um, but further down the line, there's a lot of options for being employed because you can go and work with companies like ROSPA, the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents, and you know they 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 have paid positions. The DIA were recently advertising, and uh, Kevin Martin is now working working with them and 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 developing things. I was talking to him the other day, um, and yeah, they they've got some some really interesting you know uh, employed op- opportunities. And then there's other things where, it, again, it's under the self-employed, but you're not necessarily in the car. So there, there's those options. Uh, so it, it, you, know, you, you don't have to be restricted, as you said. And it's choosing what's right for you. i tell you what was lovely, paid holiday. I do miss a paid holiday where you've got to kind of go, you know, I've still got to pay for the car uh, or whatever it might be. Uh, or, you know, you, you're taking that hit. And if you're off sick, not enough instructors have got insurance to protect them about against loss of earnings. If you want some, get in touch. I've got people that offer it, and you know I can point you in their direction. I don't get a kickback. Um, I, I, I just want to point people in the right direction. So, yeah, I, I think that that's always nice. But that's about any job where it's about being self-employed. It's not specific to driving instructing. So there's 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 those options out there. Did I miss any? I don't think so. I think I'm just gonna touch on the the thing about the the paid holders and stuff there because I fully get what you're saying and I fully understand, but I think I've trained my brain to think of it differently because I will save up and I have saved up the money to have that time off to cover the car, to cover my wage essentially. So I no longer look at it in that same vein. To me, it is a paid holiday because I've, that money has been put aside for it. So I do get what yeah. you're saying, but it took me a while to get up to that position. I also have my uh, sciatica fund just in case that kicks off again. And I've got my December fund because every now and again, December's a crap. I don't usually yeah. have a big problem, but every now and again, when I least expect it, my December will be rubbish. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's important to try and build up those funds when you can. Um, the other thing I will just mention we spoke a little bit before about contracts and, and, and stuff, making sure you read them, but know the length of your contract so that you can then leave. Because the great thing about being with a franchise, if you just keep to an annual contract, is that you can leave after a year and you can go and become independent. And if you're independent and you decide I want to be a franchise, you can go back to a franchise. That decision isn't lifetime. I've seen some 10-year contracts came about. I would probably advise against a 10-year contract just on, on principle because you're tied in for a very long time if you change your mind. However, um, read, as you said, read the small print, but it, you're not fixed into one. You can do one, try the other, try the other, and go around. And don't miss that date because auto-renewing contracts are a thing. So if you miss that date, that deadline for cancelling, you, you end up like, you know, potentially rolling over to another two years. Uh, and if you've got that plan in place or if your life changes, then, you know, you, you you don't know what's around the corner. You don't, you might hate the job as well. That's the thing. And there are cases where four year contracts have been upheld where it's included training. Someone's failed the training. They haven't qualified as an instructor, but they're still held up in court that you have to pay for the contract. For the remaining, you know, three three plus years, so really, really look at it. And as as an, you know, another mention for the DITC, I have a meeting on Monday with a fair use contracts guy, and we're trying to get something you know in in place to give people some guidance on on that. So you know, that's the kind of thing to have a look at the DITC about. 
and to see if you can get some stuff done. But um, the citizens' advice uh, will point people in a direction to get contracts checked um, and potentially for free. So always worth asking. I think with this next section, I'm going to kind of throw it open to you and let you take as you see fit, because this is your def- definitely a more strong point for you than me, which is the parts one, two, and three, and okay. that training. Um, so just a, kind of a, an overview on that, and we can do a, another deep dive on that further down the line. Part one is the theory, and it is so often approached in the way that we then get learners to approach it, because it's the way that we as as learners ourselves when we were there did it which is go away do it yourself don't um you can self-study absolutely but make sure that is supported help um there's a growing move in the industry to blended or integrated training where the part one's relevant to the end job so it should be relevant to the second part which is the part two they're novelly named. Um, but the part two is your driving. It's a, an advanced driving test on yourself. And that advanced driving test should be relevant. And the skills and the way that you're taught should be relevant to you being a teacher. And then the part three is the big one, um, which potentially can come once you're already out there teaching. And if you then fail that test three times, you can't continue to teach. Uh, you have to go round again, as it gets referred to, which is starting over. Um, so the part three is an instructional test. So the part one theory test starts the ticker, starts the timer running. From that point, you've got two years to complete the process. You can take the part one as many times as you want. The part two, the advanced driving test, is about um about your driving and you get three attempts at that and if you fail those you have to wait until your theory has expired before you can start round again and then the part three is again three attempts and that's an instructional based test where the examiner sits in the car and assesses a lesson after that it doesn't stop we are regulated and therefore Allegedly, every four years it varies and there's a new system in place, so we don't really know. Um, and you'll hear of people who haven't had a check for you know seven, eight years. Uh, there is a thing called a standards check. If you hear anyone refer- referring to check test, that's what it used to be called. It always worries me when people can't keep up to date with th- what it's called. Um, you know, So if people are referring to it as a check test, just take you know take that into account um that they might not be fully up to date on on the changes and such and and that is the same as your part three is that instructional test uh and again they do allow three attempts at it uh but you do that it's, it's Ofsted for driving instructors really um and and that is that's the process the rest of it is down to you wanting to be awesome at what you do there is no official CPD, but there's plenty of it out there. Terry's got a few hundred hours up his sleeve if you uh, if you're looking for that, and um, just not because he's here, but it is the best value resource for CPD in the industry. And you can listen to it between lessons if you choose to, but you can also take a day off and sit down and do it properly. Um, so. Yeah, you know, there's there's no mandated CPD. You can go out there and you can um, you you can be as good as you want to be. You you hold yourself to account after that. CPD, CPD, yes, continuous professional development. I use it so often; it's not it's a word now. CPD is like C3PO. Um, I don't know what that stands for either. Go on, you're a geek. Go for it. Um. No, I don't know. Um, also, continuous personal development um, is interchangeable. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought you, you think with everything there. Uh, I like the fact you refer to podcasts as the best value CPD around because it's free. Um, the other thing I think it's worth mentioning is the uh, you mentioned about getting free attempts on your part, free on your Sanders check. 
every now and again i get a, a panicked message from from an instructor because legally the dvsa is only required to give you one attempt and they'll have read that somewhere and they'll message me panicking thinking they only get one attempt legally that's is the case however they don't you get free attempts that's that's just what they do they will give you free attempts if you a third attempt if you fail twice out the goodness of their heart that is um but if something were to happen that was you know really untoward they 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 have the power to actually act which is in our favor we want that because we're the good instructors yeah but we're the ones that are doing it right and if someone's a bad apple has you know crept through we want them to have that power so don't ever feel threatened by you know the DVSA are actually a decent bunch as long as you play the game and you 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 know you do what you should be doing anyway. I think the only other thing to mention because you mentioned it a couple of times, but I don't actually think we explained it properly at any point is pink badge and green badge. Why is it the other way around to a driving license? It just annoys me. So the 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 driving license is green when it's provisional and pink when you are fully qualified and then the badges are other way around i i i'm assuming it's because it's green because we teach the provisionals but then they needed another color and someone went well we'll just do that then um so yeah the the badge that goes in the window and legally must be displayed if you are charging for tuition money or money's worth we ought to mention that um it is anything you know, if you get a box of chocolates for taking someone out to uh, out, out driving, that's worth something. Um, depends on the chocolates, but it's worth something. So, yeah, um, the money or money's worth, you have to have a badge. And say the trainee badge is the pink one, the PDI badge, and the the shape on it is different as well. What shapes on the different badges, Terry? No idea. I'm trying to remember. Um, so the, the PDI one, I thought you were going to save me there for a second, but no. it's come to mind. The PDI one's a triangle, and the ADI one is an octagon, I think. We could have got triangle, right? I want to have got octagon, right? We only look at the back of the badge. It's not our fault. It, it's We see the back of it all the time with our lovely mugs. Uh, from the mugshot staring back at us there is, there is a, a big call at the moment from instructors to for the dvsa to issue like more like taxi drivers have a lanyard with a with a, an id on it um that we we can it can identify us and but it's legislation change and that always takes a, a lot of desire and change which there isn't necessarily but i think it'd be quite nice and I'm really grateful I looked up what a lanyard was the other day. Um, all right, is there anything else you want to touch upon today, Chris? Um, it's an awesome job. I absolutely love it. I say I've got green blood um, because I, I, I live and breathe driving instructing and, and it's great. And my family have benefited and are part of the community as well. Um, there's some amazing things out there. Uh, you know, it's a real community. If you can tap into it, it's it's there to be had. So, you know, yeah, I, I recommend it to anyone and everyone. Just make sure you do it the way that's right for you and you do your homework first, which hopefully we're going to help with. I think the last thing I want to mention is the fact that it has its own day. Uh, of course. Driving Instructor Day, March the 16th. Uh, as we're recording this, we're in 2023 uh, and it's April. So we recently had it, the second one. Um, so if you're becoming a driving instructor, mark March 16th in your diary, because that is the day that we celebrate all the awesomeness of being a driving instructor. Uh, so but on that note, a really positive note, we're going to leave you. It is, as we said, a limited series. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Make sure you're clicking subscribe so these episodes drop into your feed whenever we release them, because they will be a bit ad hoc. But as we said, we are going to cover some of the key topics in deep dive forms going forward. So I have been your host today, Terry Cook. Uh, as we've mentioned a few times, I host the Instructor Podcast. That is probably the best resource for you from me at the moment. It is free. Head over to www.theinstructorpodcast.com where you'll find 
in excess of 120 episodes that cover everything from coaching to mindfulness to being better allies to the LGBT plus community, um, looking at things like safeguarding and business, and even how to help you get over a bad back in a car. So loads of resources over there, all free of charge, over 100 hours. Just search for the Instructor Podcast wherever you listen or go to the website. And if you want some more, some more in-depth training, you can sign up to the uh, the premium subscription for 10 or £22, where you get a whole host of additional content. Again, nearly 100 uh, different trainings over there, including live trainings, videos, audio, and written. Uh, and that's where you can find me. And you'll also find links in the show notes as well to all that stuff. But Chris, you want to remind people what you do and where they can find you. Uh, absolutely. Grab a pen because there's a few coming. Uh, we start with the DITC. Uh, that's the best place to find me and useful resources for about uh, being a driving instructor. So the DITC.co.uk. Then we've got Theory Test Explained, uh, which is uh, it's a one-to-one Zoom sessions uh, currently and everything you need about the theory test for learners and PDIs for the part one. And then if you're interested in anything to do with coaching, uh, including a new product, which is ADI Careers Coaching, or yeah, yeah, ADI Careers Coaching, uh, go to chrisbenstead.co.uk. There's no A in Benstead, B-E-N-S-T-E-D. Unless, of course, you're the D-I-A, in which case you'll get seven different names before they eventually get it right. Uh, but that's another story for another day. Um, on that note, we're going to leave you and uh, we hope you found this episode useful. 